Welcome to the Product Podcast, brought to you by Product School, the podcast where you get fresh insight from leaders at top tech companies and startups. Remember, you can learn product management in person at our 15 campuses worldwide or study with us online. Visit productschool.com to learn more about our courses. You can also hang out with the leaders from these podcasts at our hundreds of annual events and catch us at ProductCon, the world's largest PM conference that takes place every year across the United States and in London. So let's talk about... So the topic of my uh, presentation today is product-led growth. Uh, and I'll give you details around like why growth, what do I mean by growth, and why it's so fascinating. So a bit of background about myself. Uh, I run product and growth at Airbnb. We, I've had about a good 10 years of product experience. Various industries started in financial services, advertising, growth, and currently at Airbnb. Um, interested in two-sided marketplaces as well. It's really interesting how financial services, uh, advertising, and uh, transport, uh, travel they're all two-sided marketplaces in the end, right? So three things we'll discuss today. One, what is growth, right? And why does it matter? Second is thinking through product-driven growth, um, really around retention and engagement. And I'll talk about like, what those are, right? And finally, what makes a good growth product manager? Right? So let's start with what is growth, why does it matter, right? And this is really... This has been the crux of the question for me for a lot of time. Why did Facebook grow, but MySpace explode, right? Or, like, why are there a million apps on the App Store, and yet you see certain apps growing in terms of revenue, growing in terms of popularity, growing in terms of usage, right? Uh, there has to be a science behind this, right? It cannot, I'm hoping, or I was hoping, it cannot be random, right? And it's, it's not, right? Uh, that industry or the field of thinking through systematically about your product and then understanding what are ways in which you could actually get more users to use it, more revenue, um, uh, more virality, everything that you want in your product. How do you do that, right? Look, so that is growth. There are a few good sort of uh, ways to talk about it, right? Uh, Peter Thiel talks about it in terms of, uh, you know, the most important thing which leads to failure is not a bad product, but it's actually poor distribution, right? And distribution is another word for acquisition or growth uh, of a product. Similarly, I like this sort of uh, quote as well, which is, there were times when um, you know, in the 90s, technology was your barrier to entry, right? Like building great technology, you nailed it, right? Intel, a lot of companies grew from there. There were times in 2000s where building a great product mattered, right? And it still does, right? Uh, but it's not enough, right? And in that time, uh, this was the 2000s, right? Like uh, the Googles of the world, like having a great product was the primary focus, but it's not the case anymore, right? Like with a million and over a million apps, technology and product are not sufficient. What you also need to think through is how are you going to take this great product 
and actually get people to use it and use it regularly. Right? So that really is the definition of growth. It is a systematic way of thinking about your product and thinking through how do you acquire new users, how do you make sure your users are continuing to use it, and ultimately, how, do you, how does that result in uh, revenue or money? Right? It's an interesting field. It is extremely multidisciplinary, um, where you have creative marketing uh, thoughts and marketing uh, folks in the room. Um, you have... Uh, engineering and uh, very heavy automation that's taking uh, that forward as well. And finally, you have data science, right? Uh, experimentation, data science. It's, and growth is really sort of at the crux of all three. Uh, design, obviously, along with creative marketing. That's really what the field of growth has been, even at Airbnb. Like, all of our teams are uh, taking sort of this multidisciplinary approach. Right? And the way it all begins is using a growth model, right? A growth model is a simplistic way of being able to explain how your company grows, right? Uh, it is that simple equation or it is that simple ability to explain, uh, which you can then click millions of levels down to try to really nail what's happening here. Right? A way to think about this even simpler is Growth models are all about users, right? And at the crux of this, what you want is you want to try and acquire new users, and you want to make sure that you're able to retain them, right, and you're able to keep them. There are various ways in which people uh, quantify this, right? Some people talk about it as grow your user base and grow your user value as you're growing your user base. But both of those combined is what leads to a sustainable growth strategy. Uh, Airbnb does this, Uber does this, uh, now pretty much every company uh, which has some sort of consumer-facing element to this really thinks through this. We've, we're now starting to see B2B companies apply this thinking as well, um, and there are various ways and uh, tools to think through this. Over the next 20-odd minutes, I'm going to deep dive into retention and engagement. I'll talk a little bit about acquisition right now. Right, So acquisition... The focus of that area is how do you get new users to try this, right? And you have various ways and various tools uh, at our disposal. Advertising, Facebook, Google, search optimization, those have all come a long way, right? Uh, there were early days, and now we're at a place where people are spending hundreds of millions of dollars and making sure that you're acquiring the right users and you're acquiring users at the scale that you want. Let's talk a lot more about retention and engagement over the next few slides. Right? But again, going back to the growth model, a growth model is used in a variety of ways. right? And this is something that we as product managers do as well. right? We just don't realize uh, a lot of times how we're talking about it. But a growth model is used first and foremost to explain our strategy. Right? How is the product that we build, how are we going to take it to market, and how are people going to adopt it and grow it? Right? It helps us prioritize things. It helps us think through, what should I do next? What product feature should I build? What product uh, uh, area should I focus more on? Where are my users dropping off? It allows us to predict. Right? So if you have a really good growth model, like, and you 
quantifier, you're able to predict over the next two or three years where your company is going to go, right? And that's really strong because as, you're, as you get better in prediction, your ability to understand and explain this to the uh, world also uh, becomes better. It helps you to understand what channels, right? So again, this is from an acquisition perspective, where do we invest, right? Do we, does search make a lot of sense? Does Facebook ads make a lot of sense? Should I go after virality? Those are all questions that can be answered with a good growth model. And finally, communication, right? Like as product managers, trying to explain this to people is always usually the hardest uh, thing. Being able to quantify this and then explain makes it much easier. So let's now dive deep into mastering retention and engagement, right? So hopefully all of you guys are with me so far, right? Growth, really important. Uh, it's become uh, a place where a lot of people are investing time and money in. Growth is really around acquisition and then retention and engagement. We're going to focus a lot more on retention and engagement because ultimately, if you acquire a lot of users, but if you can't keep them, you're not going to succeed. Right? So retention and engagement is really the, an interesting uh, intersection of pure growth or pure acquisition and marketing, uh, where the idea is to try and get as many users as possible to see your product, right? Uh, as well as product, which is what most of us product managers do, right? Build core products, right? If, you're, if I'm building a financial services uh, payment app, a lot of people uh, and a lot of teams are focused on building the core app, right? Making sure that experience is great. Retention and engagement or product-driven growth is really in the intersection of both of those. And the idea and the thought process is let's combine both of these to say, how do we get most amount of users to use our product as often as possible? Right? Um, and you've seen a lot of these uh, examples uh, that I'll show you guys around how do you systematically think through this. Right? But here's an interesting stat. Majority of people that come to a new product or a service drop out, right? And this happens within days, right? Like within a few days. Your most products lose 80% of their users, right? Day one. Now, different industries have different retention rates. Their ability to sort of uh, make sure that uh, uh, you're able to uh, keep users around is different, right? Uh, your social communication apps have a slightly higher retention rate. Some other products like uh, news or e-commerce have sl uh, slightly lower. Right? But there is an industry benchmark, and what you want to do is at least benchmark your product to what the normal expected behavior of retention is. Right? But having said that, this is shocking. Right? So you lose majority of your users day one, and a lot of products continue to lose customers over the next 7, 14, 30 days, or over a year. Right? If that's the case, you do not have a successful product. You do not even have product market fit because you're only acquiring more and more users. You're going to churn through all of them. Right? Good products, find product market fit, are at least able to stabilize this particular graph. And then the challenge is always, how do we make sure that we are able to try and retain more and more percentage of these users? Right? Like how do we take 20% of retaining users and try to get them to 30 or 40? Right? And this has massive benefits. Right? Uh, 
Um, the benefits you get when you think through retention and engagement systematically is, is multifold. Right? Like the first thing is you're now able to acquire a lot more users. Right? Like it's, you don't have a leaky bucket anymore. You can pay a lot more to acquire the same user because you know that user is going to stay around for a long time, uh, and hence you can afford to pay more. You can, you're obviously going to monetize them for a longer period. The industry calls this as lifetime value or LTV, and those grow as your retention and engagement grows. Right? And finally, your virality grows as well. Right? It's the same users who are ultimately going to go and get you more users. As you grow retention, your acquisition channels, your monetization channels, all of those start looping uh, much faster. Right? So again, this was, the idea was to try and explain to you why it's really, really important, and yet it's so hard. Right? So with all of that, right, like how do you systematically think about retention? Right? The first thing you want to do, and the first thing that industry uh, sort of experts do here, is really think about the core loop or the core action. Right? Uh, a lot of comp companies call this as a North Star metric. Right? But really, this is around how... How many users, like how often are people using your product? And are there enough people using that? So some examples to explain this is for Facebook, the way they would want to think about this is through daily active users, right? And the reason for that is Facebook, you will go there daily. Uh, active for Facebook is probably reading the news feed, perhaps commenting, right? Uh, for Uber, Right, Uber, Lyft, you're thinking of sort of a monthly or a weekly uh, behavior. Right? Most people take uh, a, a, a ride-sharing taxi once a week or uh, maybe once a month. Right? So that's what you'll see. Like even in their S1 prospects, like you'll see monthly active users being talked about. And that's the metric that they uh, track and then try to grow. Right? So you'll see, hey, Uber's monthly active users is X, and uh, what's their growth looking like? For Airbnb, it's very different, right? Like, we look at it from a yearly perspective. People take uh, a, a trip once or twice a year. That's a very different frequency, and we tend to look at it from a yearly active booker perspective, right? Uh, so regardless sort of, sort of your uh, core uh, intervals, right, what you want to try and understand is what is the main or the primary metric that you want to track and then grow over time. So that's the... Like 101 for retention and engagement, 101 for growth itself. Right? There are various frameworks to try and think through this. One of the frameworks that I like is around sort of life cycle management. Right? And this is really around thinking through from the day your customer experiences your product to all the way where the customers uh, signed up, started using the product uh, really actively, and kind of gotten into a habit of using your product, right? Ways in which, or areas in which we think through this is activation, which is really around getting your users and visitors to sign up and become a first-time uh, user, right? So again, for Airbnb, activation is really around getting a first person, or getting the person to make their first booking and actually experiencing a home, right? Experiencing uh, uh, our product, if it were. For Uber, I'm sure it's taking the first ride. Right? Um, there are various efforts and various sort of areas that you can then think through uh, around activation, right? Like, are you 
really helping the user activate well. If your product is complex, do you need to guide the user or do you need some sort of tutorials for the users to understand how to go through your product? Right? A lot of companies do this really well. The second area is really around engagement. And this is, for again, for Airbnb, is once a user's you, uh, taken a trip, experienced an Airbnb home once or twice, how do we now get them into a habit, right? Like, how do we make sure that they're using Airbnb for every trip that they make, right? And for different kinds of trips that they make. Uh, if it's work, if it's international, if it's domestic, if it's a weekend trip, um, that's really the way we think about it. Within this, we obviously think about different users and segment them as casual, core, power users. And every user has different characteristics, right? But this, again, gives us a good state of uh, the world, if it were. And finally, as with everything, even in retention and engagement, like we'll see the 80% of users who dropped off. Like that's a huge base. Right? How do we get them to come back? Right? And reactivation is really the thought process around there. It is one of the hardest things to do. Uh, because essentially your user has now experienced the product and decided not to use it anymore. Right? And if that's the case, it's going to be really, really hard to bring them back unless you've changed something in your product, right? or unless you have something really, really compelling to provide to the user. Right? But again, like three real thoughts around life cycle uh, of a user. right? How do you get them from activation to engagement and reactivation, which is bringing people back? Here, our North Star is to try and get more and more users to be as engaged as possible. Right? That's when you know you're doing like a great job. Right? Talking about engagement, right? again, the way to think about engagement is, uh, and I really like this one uh, framework around understanding what game are you playing. Right? So Facebook and Netflix, the game they're playing is very different. Right? The game they're playing is around time spent uh, engagement, right? like how many hours have you spent on Netflix? And Netflix does a great job on that, right? They will start the next movie within five seconds after you're, like, finished the uh, previous movie, right? Because they're trying to get you into a habit of spending more and more time with their product. Right? Very different for transaction-focused companies, Walmart, Amazon, Airbnb uh, as well, right? Like, our job isn't to try and get a user to sit and spend hours on our website or on our apps, right? Our job is to help users book the home that they want, and then have the magical trip that they uh, should be having. Right? And if you've done a great job, then they'll come back more and more. Right? And lastly, there are companies in sort of the SaaS world who uh, focus on productivity. Right? And really around, are users able to use your features more, or are they able to become more productive as a result of your, uh, of your product? Right? But different games. So you really want to know like, what game your product is playing, and then think about, are users really using your product as the, they should be? Now that we've gone through a bunch of frameworks around retention and engagement for product-driven growth, we have tools. right? And a lot of people do the mistake of thinking about tools before thinking about framework. And that's horrible, right? because all you're going to do is slap on tools uh, uh, on users. But if you if you apply a good framework approach on where the customer is in their journey, wh what engagement game are you playing, then the tools you have at our disposal can be used appropriately. Right? So things like onboarding. Does it make sense for your product? Um, 
is your product complex or super easy? Right? All of those are things that you want to think through. Like, do you lose a lot of users during activation? Like, why are you losing users? Are all really important uh, pieces to think through. Notifications, right? So all of us hate notifications, right? Because uh, most products do not use notifications in the right way, right? So again, thinking through what game are you playing? When are you most when are you providing the most value to your users is step one in terms of thinking through notifications. Right? So some examples, again, at Airbnb, a really important notification would be if your booking or if your home is due uh, and you're, you're due to travel in a day, that would be useful. If you need to communicate with your host and say, hey, I'm just arriving, that's really important. Right? If Airbnb starts pushing notifications on a daily basis and says, hey, why don't you come to our uh, site today? Or why don't you come to our uh, app today? That's going to be horrible, right? But that's different for a different product, right? So for, say, for example, LinkedIn or Facebook, the way to use notifications can be completely different, right? Like if it's about your important friends or if it's about important life events, those are the ways to use it. I've seen really good use of notifications as well as emails. Medium is one of my favorite email slash notification uh, examples because the way they do it is I've actually, the only reason I now go to their product on a daily basis is because of the curated note email that I get with exactly the, uh, the blogs uh, that I want to read, right? Uh, and if you do a great job, like, this will work like crazy. And finally, incentives, right? Like, this is your, uh, one of, another tool that you could use, right? Think about rewards. Think about sort of coupons that you could provide. If you, again, think through the life cycle, coupons make a lot of sense at certain times, right? Like if your user is, has, uh, uh, has gone dormant, like if they've not used your product for a long time, thinking about reasons why you could bring them back uh, could be one thing, right? Coupons could be great there. If your users had previously been heavy engaged, right? Uh, say they were using uh, Uber on a weekly basis, and now suddenly, I've reduced my usage. Like I've, uh, I'm now using it once a month. That's a great time for Uber to think through, like, hey, is there something here where I can get Pratik to come back to uh, a weekly basis? And Uber did this with me. Like, for the last few weeks, like, they've done a great job using this to get me into a habit of starting to use Uber again like, on a weekly basis. Right? So those are some tools. Uh, larger tools, reward programs. Right? We've all uh, used airline programs, uh, hotel programs, we've used Starbucks, companies like Uber have sort of you know, jumped into the fray as well. A really great way to build loyalty, uh, a good way to reward your users for continuing to uh, engage with your product. Right? And lastly, community and network effects. Right? So network effects is, in the simplest form, a way to provide more value to a product as more and more uh, users join your uh, product, right? So the simplest network effect is Facebook, right? The more users you have, the more friends that are using it, the better the product becomes, and the better the service becomes. But you can apply this to various products, right? Uh, Two-sided marketplaces, again, like Uber, Airbnb, have network effects inherent. Can we build network effects on the guest side itself, right? Can if my friends are traveling, does that make it more interesting and meaningful for me to travel? Uh, and if there are updates from their end, can it, can, does this make me travel more often with Airbnb? Is an interesting sort of line of thought. Right? Uh, various companies use this, but you want to be careful. right? Again, you want to think through this really deeply. 
whether network effects and community make sense for your product. So again, all of these were frameworks, tools about thinking through product-driven growth. Right? The last area that I want to touch base on today is great, right? Like we, we can learn all the tools, we can learn all the frameworks, and we all agree that growth is uh, important. But what makes a good growth PM, right? Like how do we become sort of uh, good and better and better at this? Right? I think the first thing that I went, and I'll go back to this, is it's, growth is extremely cross-functional, right? It's, uh, it's an area where I've seen equal sort of uh, uh, inputs and equal importance coming in from four different functions, right? Marketing, design, data science, and engineering, right? Like really, it's everyone thinking through here. Um, and the PM obviously sits in the middle, right? Our job as an orchestrator is to try and help everyone think through this and come out with really great uh, sort of ideas and products. What's interesting at Airbnb is we're organized around pods itself, right? And I've seen this at a lot of uh, companies around uh, growth itself, right? Like, these aren't separate engineering teams, separate design teams, separate uh, product management teams, and separate marketing teams. These are cross-functional pods, right? And this really helps, because as a cross-functional pod, your ability to bring in sort of various ideas and your ability to execute um, just goes uh, to the next level, that's really important for a product manager here. And that becomes the first skill, right? Like your ability to work cross-functionally and bring everyone together is sort of the number one thing that you want here. The second thing is your ability to balance art and science, right? Um, growth is an extremely quantitative uh, area, right? So things like A-B testing, things like uh, incrementality, uh, ability to understand SQL and write SQL, Super important. But you can't just do this through the math, right? You have to understand the why behind the what, right? Like, uh, and the why usually comes through user research, uh, design, user testing, right? And you want to be sort of good at both, or you need to be deep enough in both areas, right? And the last one here is rapid experimentation, right? Growth is very different from product, right? So your cycles in a normal product, like we went from sort of the entire waterfall area, era to the agile era, growth is taking agile to the next level, right? Like you're talking about really fast experimentation at scale and ability to understand within days whether certain changes make sense, right? And then iterating through them. At the end of all of this, right, at the center of all of this is being data-driven and being customer-centric. So those are sort of the uh, growth PM skills that we need. These aren't very different from good PM skills, right? Like these are just focused on certain areas where you need to be really, really deep. So that's, this is really the last slide, right, guys? So key takeaways, if there's three things that you guys remember over here, right? So number one is growth is becoming really, really important and hard at the same time. But it is a systematic way of thinking about how do you grow a product, how do you improve product and business metrics, right? Number two is acquisition is great, like getting new users in your, uh, through, your, uh, through the door is great, but retaining them is the hardest and most important thing, right? And lastly, 
a growth PM, a good growth PM, in addition to everything, is ultimately customer-centric and data-driven. Right? Uh, if, that, if, all, if this is all you guys take out of this, that's it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Product Podcast. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. For more product insights, head over to productschool.com.